Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. So I've worked as a correctional officer for a long time now. I've worked at facilities in Texas and in Michigan. The oldest prison that I ever worked at just recently started to close in Michigan and it got me thinking about all of the paranormal experiences that I've had there and in the other prisons that I've worked at as well. I'd like to share with all of you some of the more notable paranormal experiences that I've had while working in these prisons. First off, I'd like to say that I never really believed in ghosts, I guess, before I started working as a correctional officer that is. I started off working in Texas at an intake facility. I worked night shifts, 12 hours from 6pm to 6am. The first experience that I ever had was working on a lower security housing unit. When finishing a round, I was chatting with my partner and I heard a loud banging sound. It was at like 3 in the morning at this point, so no prisoners should be out of their bunks. I asked my partner if they knew what the banging was and... They, being an older officer, told me bluntly that the unit that we were working in was haunted. They told me the sound was coming from a door of one of the small quiet cells in a hallway not directly visible from the officer station, and about how a prisoner had died in one. The prisoner allegedly died because the officers working there at the time had given them a sack of food when it was lunchtime for prisoners, and the prisoner had actually choked on the food and died. To be honest, I I really didn't believe that the unit was haunted, so I decided to go look at this door. The sound volume increased as I got closer to it, and when I could see it, the door itself was visibly shaking as if someone was pounding on it, but there was nothing that could have been causing the door to shake like that. I was at a loss for words, and later that night I checked the door again and there was a steamed up handprint visible on the glass of the door's window. It was a a really weird experience and it was definitely something that was like unexplainable. Anyway, another experience that I had was at the same facility but at a different housing unit. It was around 1 or 2 in the morning and I was sitting inside the officer station watching the cameras and talking to my partner. I look at one of the cameras and clearly see a prisoner sitting at the table in the day room. 
I turn my head to look at the day room and there's no one sitting at the table that I just saw on the camera. I ask my partner to go and check it out because no one is supposed to be out of bed yet. I roll back the time on the camera to see if I could see where the prisoner might have gone. The prisoner on the camera literally just slowly fades away and vanishes completely. My partner comes back into the officer station and we both watch this video over and over, being just dumbstruck as to what we are seeing. Later on that same night during one of my rounds, I notice a wet floor sign that got left out. I return it to the porter closet. I get back to the officer station and look back to where the porter closet is and I'll be damned. I see the same wet floor sign left out. I obviously asked my partner if they were playing a joke on me or something because I just put the sign away, but my partner denies doing anything with it. I go back out and make sure that I put the sign back in the closet and lock the door this time. I get back to the officer station, wet floor sign, right there in the open again. My partner and I are both watching this wet floor sign now and it starts to tip over on one end really slowly, two of its legs off the ground. The sign then slams itself to the ground and then proceeded to slide back up the hallway and then back to the front of the closet door before ceasing all movement. My partner and I, we refused to come out of the officer station for the rest of the night that night because we were just terrified. One more notable one from Texas as well. I was working in an ad-seg unit, really high security unit for prisoners that get in fights and cause a lot of problems repeatedly. We had a prisoner who was sitting in one of the close observation cells. These cells are usually used for people who threaten harming themselves. In the summertime, prisoners will sometimes just say that they're suicidal to be put in one of these cells because they're a lot cooler and are near AC vents that the normal housing units don't have. And the prisoners told me that this is what they were doing and that they didn't want to cause any problems. Later on that night, one of my partners and I were watching cameras and all of a sudden we see a shadow moving across the floor. Eventually it comes to the close observation cell and disappears under the door. This is where it gets a little crazy too. You see, I do a round and check on the close observation cell. The prisoner is pacing in the cell and I ask them if they're okay and the prisoner tells me that something just doesn't feel right and that they're hearing voices that aren't there. I try to calm them down and eventually they do and lay on the bed. Later on my partner calls for assistance because the prisoner had apparently tried to end it but the weirdest thing is that apparently they were holding their wrists above their head and allegedly were speaking in tongues now i wasn't there for that one but with everything else that i'd seen in this place and also knowing my partner the way that i did i believe it so when I started working at prisons in Michigan, I worked at a prison that was now closing. It was built back in 1877 and is one of the oldest prisons still operating in all of the United States. There were so many small experiences that I'd had there that it would be too long to get into. But like doors would slam, you would hear voices, cold chills, all that stuff. But the first really notable experience that I had was around Christmas time on the third shift. I was working in the oldest unit on the facility. Usually we don't have prisoners there, but we had opened the unit to separate prisoners during the COVID pandemic and whatnot. I didn't have a partner due to how short-staffed we were, so one of the other officers set up a TV for me to keep me entertained because I'd be really far away from all the other units and get bored with no one to talk to. 
I do rounds for most of the night watching TV in between them, when I suddenly hear a banging noise from a door that leads to a hallway that takes you all the way to an even older unused condemned part of the prison. I open the door, take a look down the hallway, and a cold breeze hits me and suddenly my arm hairs just are standing all on end. I close the door, thoroughly creeped out. I go and sit down and start watching TV again, but the TV starts flipping through channels rapidly and then stops on static. I have to get moved to a different unit because, to be honest, I was pretty terrified again. But one day on the third shift, my work friend and I were working positions that allowed us to have a lot of free time and no prisoners to watch, when we decided to explore the prison. We explored the tunnels that went underneath the prison, the old barns, the old unstaffed gun towers, and we eventually decided to go look at the old condemned part of the prison from my earlier experience. There was a big metal gate that was about uh, maybe halfway down the hallway that had to be opened by a big skeleton key. We get back to the old condemned part and my friend tells me about how this part was supposed to be the old segregation. We had to use flashlights to see because this section is so old that it's not powered. But the energy back there, I will never forget. Just being there filled me with a, a feeling of just utter dread. I ask my friend to head back and we start to head back down to where the hallway to the gate was when my friend's flashlight suddenly dies. When we make it back to the hallway barely able to see anything in the almost pitch blackness when we hear something running after us. So we start running up the hallway too. My friend fumbles with the key as we hear it getting closer. We get the gate open and sprint out of there and later on I notice that my friend had red claw marks all over his arms. It was a, a crazy and truly scary experience and it was something that I hope to never, ever experience again. This is something that happened years ago but the thought of it still keeps me up at night. I was walking through the hills of a provincial park with my dog during the winter so the sun set much faster than I expected and before I could get back to my car it was already dark. Once the sun was gone and all you could see was darkness I was walking slowly through a field when out of nowhere I had to this day the most gut-wrenching undeniable feeling that I was being watched. I turned around and in the distance I saw a figure standing there darker than the night sky around us. The instant that I saw him, my stomach dropped and my body literally froze. I knew in that moment somehow that he was coming for me. I grabbed my dog's leash and we booked it. I mean sprinting full speed up and down the hills, around the trees, down embankments. I was running so fast as if my life was dependent on it. And to this day I'm pretty sure that it was. I make the 30 to 45 minute trip in 10 and all that stands before me in my car is this switchback. You have to sort of go back and forth up if you want to reach the top. So once again I'm giving it all I got, running up this switchback as fast as I possibly can. And once I reach the top and look back down, who else but this person is chasing me. And he gets up the switchback like how any sane person would. Of course not. He starts sprinting right up the middle of this switchback heading straight for me. I scream at him to leave me alone and he doesn't say anything. Not a single word, just continues running right at me. I am so lucky that my car was at the top of this hill because as I ran towards it, just like in the horror movies, 
I dropped my keys and I was fiddling with them trying to open the door. Just in time too, I get the door open, throw my dog in it and shut the door behind me just as this guy reaches us. The best part is that there were no other vehicles parked anywhere around us, but where did this person park? Yeah, right next to me of all places. Now, this guy literally jumps into his truck so quickly, and to this day I've never seen a better example of speeds out of there like a bat out of hell. He guns the engine so hard, black smoke is blasting out of the back as he swerves out of there, leaving skid marks behind him. I sat in the back of my vehicle for hours afterwards, shaking and crying, knowing that I was this close to whatever he had planned for me. And that's why I'm sharing this story, in the hopes that people won't ignore that gut feeling, the little voice in the back of your head that tells you to run. If I didn't that day, I never would have noticed him in time and would have had the heads... If I didn't that day, I never would have noticed him in time and wouldn't have had the head start that I needed to escape. Always trust your gut feelings and intuitions because it might really be the deciding factor in if this is your final day on earth or not. Apartments.com believes that a dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time that you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. This all happened about a decade ago at a travel center in New Mexico. I worked the night shift as a prep cook there. And while there, I had a few strange experiences that I'd like to share with you. So... The first was pretty standard. I was chopping onions and out of the corner of my eye I see a figure walk past me and stop in the corner. When I turned to look, nobody was there and I felt the base of my spine go ice cold. Now, to clarify, my family has history with like paranormal stuff. Had a great grandma who was a medium. I used to see shadow figures all the time in my childhood home until I was like 15 or so and then started seeing them again when I was in a deep depression with tendencies much better now in my early 20s 
That chill down my spine always accompanied these experiences though and I use it as a bit of an indicator that something is near. Anyway, after that first experience, I started to ask around and this was a common occurrence here. In fact, three or four people had the exact same thing happen. Busy with the task, a dark figure at the edge of their vision walks by. When they turn to look, it's gone. It would happen again occasionally, but I would just ignore it. The second wasn't a single incident, but something that happened regularly, usually after seeing it in the corner of my eye again. Part of my job as a prep cook was making large batches of soup and chilies for the next day. I'd put these five-gallon pots on the burners with the meat to start browning, turn to chop the veggies, and when I'd turn back, all my burners would be off. Fairly innocuous, but it happened too often for it to be an error, and again, it was accompanied by a chill in my spine. But the final incident actually happened to someone else, but I was present for it. To explain as well, here is a quick rundown of how our walk-in is laid out. So, the door was in the prep kitchen. Inside the walk-in was a second door that led to our freezer. The freezer had its own light switch that was located in the regular walk-in fridge. So, the line cook goes into the walk-in. I think nothing of it until he comes out a few minutes later wanting to kick my butt. After I calm him down, he tells me that he was in the freezer section when all of a sudden the lights turn out and he starts hearing a man laughing coming from the main walk-in. I let him know that not only was it not me, but I'd been in the kitchen the whole time and nobody else had gone in. He goes white as a sheet at this and didn't want to talk about it anymore. So, those are my experiences at the truck stop. Thankfully, I don't have much contact with the other side now that I'm in a better headspace, but I have a couple of others from my time in New Mexico that I might share at some point in the future. For now, it feels good to get this off my chest and I just want to say thanks for listening. So first off, just let me say that it doesn't really bother me if you believe me or not. I just want to share this for people who might be interested. That said, I had my second hypno-regression session today to revisit my alien abduction when I was six. I remember everything. I thought that I had a clear picture last time, but I was wrong. The second session had me face the entire thing without fear, and I remember them taking me, their megaship, their transport hangar, all of the human-looking people, crafts, the bed, the tracker, the box. I remember it all. So, I was six years old, and this took place sometime between 2001 and 2002 in Washington State, USA. I remember seeing a blinding, bright white light fill my entire room and illuminate everything in it. Then, I remember seeing these two people appear out of nowhere, standing in my room next to my window, and I hear a resounding voice in my head say, come with us. Next thing I know, I remember floating up through the roof of my house, seeing the entire city below. The feeling of weightlessness, bliss, confusion, fear, and excitement. I'll never forget it, all at the same time. I remember going into this large white room, the bright lights and small silver orb crafts with small sort of looking fins around the bottom sides lining the wall. Maybe five or six of them. At this point, I remember running out of there and going into a hallway, frantically pushing past what I assumed to be other grown-ups. I remember hearing them gasp in surprise as I pushed past them and that's when I remember running up to this large window. I looked out, trying to get a sense of where I was and... All I saw 
was space and the earth below me. I remember being scared, running away and into another group of these people where one stood up and said, Whoa, you're not supposed to be up here. They grabbed me, soothed me with this weird sort of sensation of being under a waterfall of smoke that tingles the entire body as it washes over you. They said that their name was Arik and held me there until two smaller people showed up. At this point, I think they did something to me because I couldn't move. I remember being floated or carried back down this hallway and into this large room with a strange brown light that glowed in the whole room. They laid me down into a bed and... That's where this large mantis-like being was there, wearing some kind of a, a robe or a coat. I know it sounds really weird, but I remember being scared, a bit somehow okay with it, but I had this warm, sort of hazy feeling still. I remember being held down by my hands and wrists, and it hurt a lot. The mantid told me that it was so that I wouldn't run away, but that they'll help take the pain away, and they did. I distinctly remember the pain went away after that. Next, I remember it turned on a bright overhead light in the room, turned my head to the left and put a large sort of cylindrical needle or syringe thing behind my right ear, and then everything just went completely white and fuzzy. They said that it was a tracker, and it was so that they could watch me. They told me that it was all part of the plan so that they could study and preserve humans for the future. They told me that I'm supposed to be a teacher and that my purpose is in the future of this world. Next, I remember being taken by these two smaller beings into an adjacent room where they gave me this, like, small box. When I opened it, it exploded in a fountain of light and inside the light, I saw screens with pictures of trees, mountains, a river, memories, numbers, letters, people walking, symbols and all kinds of things. But most of all, it showed me my previous life. And to be honest, I really don't know what to think of this. So, uh, I would really like some help. In this box, this previous life, these beings showed me the house I lived at, how I lost my family of a wife and two kids, and how it ultimately led to my all-consuming sorrow and the taking of my own life. If anyone knows a Marcus Peterson who had a wife and two kids that were about 10 and 6, give or take a few years, died in a car accident, and Mark took his own life. We lived in a small house on a piece of land surrounded by trees apparently, with a front porch covered by a small roof, a screen door, and brown wooden front door. Then please, do let me know. In any case, after that whole experience, they took me back to this large hangar area, they floated me back down into my room with the bright light, laid me down into my bed, turned around and I felt them say, we'll be seeing you again soon. And then they left. And that's pretty much it. So if you have any ideas as to what I should do now, then I would love to hear it. A few weeks ago, me, 23-year-old female, and a friend, 24-year-old female, planned to go to an event together. Since we only had free time after work, we decided to get an Uber so we wouldn't take too long to arrive and could enjoy more. But the first half of the ride was really normal, seemed like a normal polite dude. But as soon as we got to the highway, his attitude changed. He seemed a lot more irritated. Me and my friend didn't pay much attention though and kept chatting between us. 
Our attention was drawn when he started shouting with another driver. He turned to us and said that he was going to pull over. I tried objecting, but he ignored and pulled over anyway. He reached out for the glove compartment and pulled a gun out. Important to note that guns are illegal in my country too. We were just watching this unfold with holded breath and when the other guy drove away, we let out a sigh of relief, but then we were still stuck in the car with this crazy guy with a gun. After that, he went back to driving and apologized to us, saying that the guy was tailgating him. I let out an, oh, okay, I got it. He kept talking. Man, that guy's lucky that you two girls are here, or else I would have followed him and shot him in the face, sleazy idiot. I look over to my friend. She is in shock and paralyzed. I'm in shock too, but trying to keep my cool because the last thing that I want is to get this guy annoyed at us. I mean, if he was willing to shoot that guy for tailgating, I didn't want to know what he would do to us if I said the wrong thing. No, uh, it's okay, I understand, I say, trying to appease him. These guys need to be taught a lesson, he continued while I just agreed with my head. I did that before, you know. You just trap the guy in an empty street and when he leaves the car, bang! Did he just admit to murder? Was the only thing running through my mind. But somehow I managed to keep calm and just agreed with him the rest of the way. He did deliver us to the right place with no more incidences. I waited a few weeks to report this since he had my home address and wouldn't be hard to figure out who reported him. Thankfully nobody showed up at my home with a gun, at least until now, and Uber has answered my report saying that they started an investigation. I hope that this guy doesn't do this to anyone else because it was a truly terrifying experience, to say the least. This happened a few years back and though I've experienced other strange phenomena since, this in particular has always stuck in my brain. So I worked as a server at what was portrayed to be a, a high class evening restaurant where a reservation was required. The restaurant was inside a, a pre-Civil War era stone house and located right in the center of a well-known haunted town with a lot of history. It was around 4.50pm, 10 minutes before opening. I was the only one on the schedule that night besides for the chef. The dining room had large street-facing windows that had been sealed shut for years with no other opening to the outside. Everything was set up for the night and all I had left to do was lighting the 15 or so candles that decorated the mantel and the tables. The candles had no trouble sparking up and had steady consistent flames. Before exiting from the dining room, I took a last remaining glimpse to ensure perfection and was very happy with my work. I then left for the kitchen to quickly check in with the chef before opening. I made my way back to the dining room after no more than maybe a minute and when I say that I was absolutely gobstruck, I'm not kidding because every single candle had been blown out. There was still smoke lingering from all 15 candles as well. And my mind just cannot come up with an explanation, a logical one anyway, for this. I mean, there was no possible entrance in the dining room besides the front door, which had been firmly locked. The chef and I were the only two people there, and he wouldn't have been able to leave the kitchen without me noticing, since there's only one pathway between the two rooms. There were no fans or open doors, and as stated before, all the windows were sealed shut. 
I remember the air feeling abnormally still as well and getting an overwhelming sense of discomfort and dread upon re-entrance, as if I was being, I don't know, like, watched. Up until this day, I still haven't been able to find any solid reasoning behind the occurrence and truly believe that something strange made itself known that night. Around a year ago, my neighbors three doors down the street moved to a nearby town and a new family moved in. The new tenants, we'll say, are a man in his late 40s, whose name I actually don't know, and a girl who is about 13 and is in the same school year as my brother. Apparently, he has numerous other kids from separate relationships, but the girl is the only one who lives with him. I'll quickly talk about the house in the area too, because it's probably worth knowing. My area is a very safe middle-class neighborhood. The same can be said for the house that this bloke bought. But I don't know what he's done to it, but he's built a deck which isn't colored or anything and just looks like it's made out of old wood and the front door is a complete separate color to the rest of the house too. Essentially, it sticks out like a sore thumb among all the other houses. Anyway, now I'd like to go through the events that me and my family have learned about or experienced with this guy before today. Everything I mention did not happen prior to his moving in. So not long after he moved in, a pair of trainers appeared on the power lines directly outside of his house. I live in a really safe area, but according to my uncle who works for BT and used to be an electrician for another company prior to that, they can be signs of illegal stuff like drug dealings or gangs. Apparently workers who come in to remove them get threatened by whoever puts them there. Every few nights at about 1am to 1.30am, a car always drives up, stops outside of his house, waits for a few minutes and drives off. I stay up quite late normally and I've caught them in the act a few times now. It's the same car every time. A blacked out BMW, the driver and another passenger run out of the car with the engine running. They sprint to the man's door and then one of them returns and drives off. Of the four or five times I've seen it, myself, it has been a man and a woman with the man running back to the car at the end. Similarly to the last one, my family go out for walks regularly and there's often numerous women sitting on his front step in the evenings when they go out for walks. They don't speak much to each other and if they do it isn't in English. This led us to believe that they might be immigrants but that's up for speculation. On numerous occasions, my next door neighbors, an older woman in her mid-50s, who I'll call S, her daughter A and A's boyfriend D, walk A's dog around the nearby streets. Usually the dog walkers are S or D, and one day a few months ago, D was walking their dog when they heard screams coming from the house. He immediately went back home and called the police. I'm not sure what happened afterwards, but on another day, not long after it, was S walking the dog late at night. As she went past the bloke's house, she saw an unmarked car in a police van outside of his house, almost in a, like a barrier shape around his driveway. I also don't know much about this either, unfortunately, but there's allegedly been a duvet cover hanging out of the bathroom window with stains on it. One of my neighbors, who I'll call Fish and Chip Man, he owns a fish and chip shop, who is the bloke's next door neighbor, speculated that it could be one of two things, a drug farm or a torture chamber. Torture chamber seems a bit far-fetched to me and I don't buy it personally, but drug farm sounds plausible to me considering the trainer situation too. 
There was a time around a month ago where my parents were at a nearby guitar festival which I was performing at. They ran into a very drunk man who said that he lived adjacent to the bloke on the other street parallel to ours. My parents subtly sort of pressured this guy who apparently had a whole number of stories himself. They were very similar to ours but he's not affiliated with our street so it's interesting to know that there's others around him who have noticed the same thing but it's also very concerning to us for obvious reasons. Now, this is where I want to talk about yesterday's events. This is very hot too, so I'm prepared for half of this to be incorrect to some extent, but there's some things that we know for sure, some things are speculation, and hopefully we'll be able to tell what is what soon. So, I'll start with two nights ago. At around midnight, a woman started pounding on the man's door, screaming threats at him in the middle of the night. The man, presumably drunk, started shouting back through a window. Fish and Chip Man opened a window and shouted to the man to shut up because he's disrupting everything. The man shouted back to Fish and Chip Man something about rape allegations, which Fish and Chip Man responded to by saying that he was calling the police. For whatever reason, Fish and Chip Man never called the cops though. However, someone must have anyway because at around 4am yesterday morning, he was arrested by the police. Why? I don't know. But his young kid was apparently being relocated to her grandparents or something. According to me after 3pm and my dad before that, from 4am to 8pm there have been police vans parked in his driveway all day. At least four different officers on standby at all times and both a marked and unmarked car have been stopped and staring all day. They've apparently been scanning and searching the house all day and only left in the late evening. I managed to watch the moment that the unmarked car arrived. Two officers left it, took what looked to be an Asian woman in glasses out of the house and into the back seat of the car, and that car never came back. Apparently at about noon, my other next door neighbor, P, went to the officers and nonchalantly started pushing them for information. My dad's the one who's been keeping such a close eye on this and quite a bit of this information has come from him. So when he saw P go engage in some friendly conversation, he of course was right out there in an instant. Afterwards, P took my dad into her house and gave her side. And this is what P thinks she knows. Firstly, the man has already had a criminal record which we were unaware of. There's also a possibility that he's been in jail in the past. The second, more concerning and more likely to be the truth, is that the bloke's father was a major criminal and is also still incarcerated. The most common and most believed theory is that he's a pedophile and also a sex offender. But here's the final point and the most concerning to all of us. He might be out now and I looked outside at about 11 o'clock last night and realized that his car is missing from his driveway. Before riding this, his car was in the driveway and all the lights in his house were completely off. And this could mean one of two things. One, the more likely solution is that he has been released, has returned and has driven off somewhere. I don't know where he could have gone, but given his track record, so to speak, it's probably not good. And two, he's still in the police station and they've taken the car away. I don't think that this is the case, however, as I feel like we would have heard a flatbed made its way down the quiet street at some point. In any case, if I find out anything more, then I'll definitely share it with you guys. As for me and my family, we're pretty freaked out by all of this, and we hope it's not some sort of a, a torture chamber like 
our neighbor theorizes. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared Podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening, guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.